Welcome. I'm Dr. Liz, an entrepreneur, speaker, podcaster, mom, and wife. This podcast is about hypnosis, but also about all kinds of ways to help you live your fullest life, to heal, transform, to play the long game and go after the joy. You can see more about me at drlizhypnosis.com. Hop over there to get a free hypnosis file to decrease fear and anxiety or one to increase emotional stability. They're there just for you. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I do. Peace. Good morning, everyone. Dr. Liz here. Today's guest is Lindsay Eastburn. She was on the podcast back in 2017, both her and then her husband in another episode. They're both hypnotherapists. And I am so happy to have her back. We have stayed in touch since then. And I think about her and her husband all the time, actually. (laughs) So when I heard that she had published a new edition of one of her books, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, please come on the podcast. This book is called Waiting in the Wings, Introducing the Pink Starlights. The Pink Starlights are referring to a spiritual cohort of babies that are coming through. So Lindsay is a hypnofertility specialist. She really developed one of the first programs ever to be able to do hypnosis for fertility when someone's struggling to get pregnant and has worked in that area for a long, long time. She's very intuitive and spiritual and really sees um, auras and babies around people. She doesn't just keep the faith that a baby's coming through for someone she's working with. She can see them. So her new book is quite fascinating. She goes more into that process, what the purposes of the pink starlight, why are they coming through to the planet now, and all the different ways that this has become revealed to her by them. Our interview has some tributaries to it. So we have the main theme of the pink starlights for sure, but the tributaries include motherhood and fertility and and navigating the balance between the masculine and the feminine not in terms of gender but in a spiritual archetypal sense so it's quite a fun conversation i hope you enjoy it as much as i did peace hi lindsay welcome to the hypnotize me podcast hi liz thanks for having me here today Absolutely. I was so excited to see your name come across my desk again because I'd had you on years ago on the podcast and it was such an impactful interview. I know for me and for my listeners as well that I heard from. So super excited to have you back on. Yeah, that's great. I'm so I really am so excited to be here. We had we had such a great time with those. I think I've been on a couple of times and we've had some great talks. Yes, yes. So today's topic is about the pink starlight, correct? Yes. Okay. And this is a book. When was this book originally published? Uh, let's see. It was originally published right at the beginning, was it, of Gosh, the days just kind of, or the years blur now. I think it was right at the beginning of 2020. No, 2021, right at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. And I just did a second edition just a few months ago. Okay. That's pretty short for a second edition. Had a lot changed? Not a ton. Um, I did 
have a new forward by Dr. Maribel Verdiellis of CNY Fertility. Um, that was, you know, that was pretty important because she was really able to tie in from the medical standpoint, um, yes. the spirit babies, the pink starlights, and, you know, actual IVF uh, Western medicine treatment. Plus, she's also a holistic doctor. So, uh, there were a few other things, but that I think was really important. I talk a lot about being bossed around by the pink starlights or that they're, uh-huh. you know, this is about them, not about me. So I think that was that was part of why they wanted to have this second edition happening. Got it. Let's jump into who these pink starlight babies are. Yeah. So I have been working with hypnofertility and um, spirit babies for a long, long time. And Originally, and you know this, you know, people started coming to me to ask for help to see if I could help them get pregnant with hypnosis. And these mm-hmm. would be, in many cases, women who'd be given um, a less than 1% chance of getting pregnant. And then also uh, people who needed help, you know, for example, with needle phobias, which, you know, hypnosis is really helpful for mm-hmm. and that you can't be doing IVF if you have any issues with needles. The big thing was, though, that these women came to me saying, I just know there's a baby there. And I always said, yeah, I believe you. And mm-hmm. I've, I've said I would take a woman's awareness and knowledge over over anything else when it comes to getting pregnant. I don't, I don't buy into a lot of the things, you know, age and whatnot that's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, that knowing is so important. So all of these babies started showing up one way or another with the hypnosis and this evolved, you know, I ended up creating a program because nobody was doing this specifically. Yeah, they and, weren't. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not to say people hadn't used hypnosis to help with fertility, but no one was specializing in it. You know, it wasn't a thing back, right. you know, around 2000 when I started doing the actual hypnosis part of this. Yeah, they would use hypnosis for birth, like hypnobabies, hypnobirthing, that right. type of thing. But yeah, I don't have any kind of awareness that they were using hypnosis for fertility. Right. No, like, I mean, someone who's a hypnotist, if if something comes into your office and someone asks about it, you should be able to work with it. But there was no program at all. There was no training. And so mm-hmm. I ended up developing this and pretty quickly it evolved. You know, mm-hmm. I had all these babies showing up and it was really fascinating. And you're right. There was these, these birthing programs and it made sense to me that trained in hypnobirthing. And I was, you know, working with that. If this is effective, then for fertility, right? Why not? Let's yeah. let's pursue this. So this evolved, and uh, the spirit baby aspect of it started to take more of a of the forefront. You know, mm-hmm. become more of the focus. About 2016, these babies basically, you know, I was working with spirit babies in general. I wasn't. I wasn't um, tuned in particularly. It didn't matter what spirit babies they were because, you know, you've heard of indigo children, rainbows and crystals and so forth. And it it didn't matter. It was the spirit baby or the energetic baby, the babies in the ethereal realm, if you will, that I was working with. And, you know, they just weren't attached. And then about 2016. Well, before before you move on, just to clarify for listeners who haven't heard about this. I, oh, sure. What Lindsay's referring to is working with those babies in the spirit world to come through their mothers and to be born. Exactly. When we have that sense or that knowing that there's a baby there, and that's because we're connected. I mean, we don't 
you know, we don't only exist in the physical world. We sometimes think so because we are in the physical world and we are in these bodies and we deal with, you know, limitations or experiences that are related to that. But we also exist on many levels and we're connected energetically to beings, including our babies. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> about 2016, these babies decided that they wanted to let me know they had a name, they had their own unique purpose, and mm-hmm. they wanted me to get that out there. This is when they downloaded me or started downloading a book to me to mm-hmm. talk more about them. So my first book was basically to let people know that hypnosis was an option for fertility because so many people didn't know that and it is so effective and helpful. Mm -hmm. And I wanted people to know there was another option. There's very limited options for people to use for fertility. You know, you look at weight loss Mm -hmm. and there's a million different things you can do. It's true. Yeah. And with fertility, there wasn't a lot. So finding out how effective hypnosis was, I wanted to let people know that the next book evolved into the spiritual aspect and much more emphasis on divine feminine. Mm -hmm. So when the pink starlight showed up, they wanted me to get their specific purpose out there. At first, I didn't know what their name was, but I knew they said they were basically were a different species, were a different cohort, were different from mm-hmm. other spirit babies. And then they did give me their name, Pink Starlights. And that basically came from, you know, Pink, the unconditional love, right? And the heart mm-hmm. chakra and bringing that type of energy through. And then also Starlight being such a brilliance, so really high levels of light. And uh, and then they told me, you know, they gave me this title for their book, Waiting in the Wings, Introducing the Pink Starlight. So it was, you've got to get out there and you've got to let people know about us and our purpose. Fantastic. Yes. So what is their purpose? So their purpose and, you know, every baby that comes through, of course, is important and wonderful and filled with love. I mean, babies are love. Yes. These guys, you know, the indigos came through to really start breaking down, um, you know, the way things have been, the out of balance patriarchy, you know, kind of level the playing field, if you will, just knock things down so that we can bring through this higher level of energy that we desperately need. Mm -hmm. Earth energy is uh, rather dense and um, there's such a healing going on with the planet that really needs to be happening And I think everybody's pretty much aware of that, that things are out of balance, that we've been not very kind to Mother Earth, you know, as a species, Mm -hmm. not all of us, but overall, you know, we take and we take a lot and, you know, we don't put back and we just tend to, you know, overdo. And then the focus, I call the focus kind of the God of greed, you know, people, so there's so much about, you know, what can I get? How much can I get? Um, even hoarding that goes on with resources at this point in time, there's no reason anybody on the planet should be going hungry. Mm-hmm. There just isn't. And yet this is going on, you yes. know? Yeah. And so this is this has been part of that purpose of these babies coming through and helping to lighten the energy. And I mean, all of them, um, mm-hmm. all of, you know, the, the indigos and so forth. And then these babies, they're bringing in they are supreme healers and they're bringing in really high levels of light to help with the planetary transformation that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, We are 
ideally transcending what we have been experiencing and even creating to some extent, we're transcending that now and we need some help. Mm -hmm. And these babies, I say they come in to be the people and they are, um, all of us are the people of course, but they're coming in to hold positions in the world from a place of open-mindedness, of compassion, Mm -hmm. of um, awareness, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and because things are accelerating right now, I talk a lot about this balance of divine feminine, sacred masculine, and they're very much about that as well as above, so below, bringing through ethereal realm and connecting it in balance with the earth realm. So in Native American philosophies, you'll hear Father Sky, Mother Earth, you know, the cosmos and the earth or our planet, very focused on that balance of divine feminine and sacred masculine, which really has led to the imbalance has, has led to issues with fertility among other things. Mm -hmm. How so? Uh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so amazing. There's like so many things to go into. So I'll try to pause every so often so you can ask questions. I loved the book. The book went into all these different areas. And so um, I do want to get a, give the readers a sense of the book, but absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot packed into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there really, really is. Um, We've seen a lot of shifts and changes happening in the world. There's a lot of fear going on. There's a lot of uh, division that's happening. There's mm-hmm. a fear to shift and change. You know, we're always afraid of change, right? Most people do not like change. Um, change is the really the one constant in the entire universe, but we're not all that, you know, usually receptive to it. And so it doesn't matter because it's changing with or without us. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're bringing this energy through. And what's happening right now is it's bottlenecking because they are bringing such high levels of light through and now it's coming in rapidly and the energy of spirit is higher is faster and so at this point it's bottlenecking and so that's part of the reason they want me to get out there and be letting people know about them and helping people to shift their Mm -hmm. alignment so we're out of alignment okay Uh, clearly we're out of alignment (laughs) Yeah, we are clearly <laughs> yeah. out of alignment. And yes. so what you'll see happening is this um, out of balance or uh, patriarchy that's out of balance. And this isn't about, it's not about man, woman, it's about masculine, feminine. So each of us mm-hmm. has the masculine and feminine energies and they should be balanced, mm-hmm. but they're not. When you see the out of balance masculine, you see um, aggression, you see mm-hmm. volatility, you see oppression, you see war, you see, you know, on big on a on a big scale, mm-hmm. you see um control, things like that. You know, we're gonna control everyone. You see this this greed. Now, divine feminine or feminine on, you know, an imbalanced feminine is taking, you know, a lot of times you'll see healers and then the healers are not taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So they're over giving, they're mm-hmm. putting everything and everyone else ahead of themselves, but it's really off balance that depletes our energies. Now to get 
on in this world, we do need to pull a lot of masculine energy in. Mm -hmm. And the fertility world is very masculine. Western medicine is very masculine. Yes. When you're in the fertility world, there's this time crunch. There's this sense of um, desperation in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. There's a push. Um, Sometimes people get in, they go into the doctor just to get a clean slate. Like, okay, we checked you out. You're good. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and get pregnant. And instead there are issues, right? Mm -hmm. And even if it's the tiniest issue, but then there's a sense of almost panic about it because there's such an intensity about it. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. We jump to donor eggs, for example, really quickly, and people don't get a chance to process. Mm -hmm. And people often feel, you know, women often feel that they have to make a decision. They have to make it rapidly and it may not be the best thing for them. So these are going to be the out of balance masculine issues. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then we do need the feminine, the nurturing, protective, and we're looking at this at an archetypal level, right? So we Mm -hmm. have archetypes. We know what those mean, universal experiences or universal types, you know, we know what a warrior is, right? We know what a mother is or mother should be. We know what a goddess is. That's a universal understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, we know those things. And when those get out of whack again, it's it's so interesting because there's sides to each one of them. So people tend to think mother, mother is loving, mother is protective, mother is caring. No matter what else happens, mother loves you. And that's not always the case. Yeah, there's yeah. Definitely shadow mother, right? Yeah, there's shadow mother, but there's also warrior mother who will stand up for her children in a different way, let's say, than like the nurturing thought kind of mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And one of the issues with the shadow mother or the negative mother, or you know, you hear about um in the animal world, you know, mothers that eat their children, and this can happen. Very much. So that's going to be the unbalanced. So warrior mother is still in balance. And then shadow mm-hmm. mother um, is out of balance um, yes. way, and can, can be very dangerous, can be very harmful, can drain people's energies. A lot of times you'll see something like someone has a mother who was 18 years old and just uh, dropped everything on them. And mm-hmm. they had to handle things, parent the parents, um, raise the other siblings, whatever the case was, deal with, you know, mothers undealt with yes stuff right yeah out of balance feminine it could be all sorts of different things but we tend to think of mother as good and kind and all of that accepting you know they'll always embrace you and that's not always the case and this can actually cause a lot of damage for people especially you know when others they'll say things like well it's your mother oh for sure for sure i mean i work a lot with uh, grown-up children of narcissistic parents and narcissistic mothers in particular. And it's quite damaging, really is. It's a whole different way of uh, moving through the world and working towards healing. Oh, absolutely. And people do a lot of damage by saying things like, that's your mother, or you know, kind of get over it type of thing. It's one of the top frustrations mm-hmm. that they they feel so alone in my mother was a narcissistic mother, so I, I know that very well to where, for example, when when I met my ex-husband, who was Cuban, he could not imagine, like he really could not conceive that 
less contact was with my mother was better for me. He really just had no concept. And it's almost like there's only certain people they can even talk to about it because the immediate reaction of most people is, well, that's your mother and you should love her. And, you know, she, of course she loves you. And, you know, all this stuff that gets very complex when you have, let's say a shadow mother that we were raised by a mother in their shadow side or abandoned by them. Right. And I definitely have that same background um, with the mother. And then my mother has the background of being completely unwanted, neglected, and, you know, that stuff carries through. It does. Yeah. But you can't love that out of somebody and you have to take care of yourself. And that's where, that's where we can get into unbalanced feminine again with, well, you have to accept anything and everything. This unconditional love is actually, again, that can be dangerous in terms of if someone is really a threat to you and that can be your father, your mother, it can be anyone. Mm -hmm. um, You know, it's interesting because babies talk about bringing unconditional love, but not, not in a sense that's damaging or toxic to people, but bringing through a higher level of love so that we can all have a recognition of that and to help, you know, to help with things like this, you know, narcissism, borderline personality, all of, all of these that we develop because of just the way the world is and the energy of the world is right now. Abuse and neglect causes all of these things. And it's like we continue to perpetuate that abuse and neglect. Yes. Until someone gains the awareness of their own journey of healing, they will perpetuate it. Absolutely. Exactly. And so the the babies, the pink starlight, so the ones that I work with, so my clients tend to have had quite a struggle mm-hmm. with their fertility. And they may have been through nine rounds of IVF by the time I see them. Um, they may have been trying to conceive for years and years and years, and sometimes starting in their 20s and now they're 40. And, you know, there's nothing is cut and dry just because somebody's in their 20s doesn't mean they're going to easily conceive. People may have been through multiple miscarriages or mm-hmm. had to had a number of surgeries, things like that, that can be happening. Okay. And I call that, I've learned from the babies and in my own experience that this is an initiation and the pink starlight parents tend to go through an initiation. Mm-hmm. They need to grow. They need to do their own work. Um, we cannot, you know, narcissistic mothers are not getting pink starlights. Pink starlights have work to do, you know, most of us, that indigo connection, uh, those of us, and I'm sure you probably have that indigo connection as I discovered at some point that I do, that came into that kind of situation. And and that situation was important because we had to get tough. We had to be able to go against just the way things were for the longest time. We had to break down institutions and Mm -hmm. break down, you know, this mass control of people that we've had, right? And so the pink starlights, on the other hand, they're here to help with the shifting of that at a rapid pace that they don't have time to deal with mother not having done her work. And does it mean, you know, we're never finished, we're always doing our work, but Mm -hmm. that has to at least be rolling. And now someone could be spiritual or they can be on a healing path, but they still may need to experience more and infertility, which I hate the word, but um, you know, that issue 
is so devastating, it does cause us to open up and look. So maybe someone's done acupuncture in the past, but mm-hmm. there may be more things they need to look into. And it may be, um, they may need to learn about being an empath. They mm-hmm. may need to learn more to trust their intuition. They may need to take healing courses. They may need to to um, have Reiki treatment. There's all sorts of things they may need that the babies need ahead of time. And yes. so when someone's struggling to get pregnant, they'll tend to investigate this mm-hmm. type of thing. And so that's the initiation. It's amazing. Initiations are not easy. They're mm-hmm. not fun. They're not supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, but right? I, I love the point you made in your book about this. I related so much for this. I had never heard of pink starlights before. And my immediate thought was that this is my second child, actually, who's um, 17 now. So I don't know if the timing's worked out. That was, that was my initial, like, I got a full body rush, actually, when I was reading about it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's who she is. But I had three miscarriages in between my first and my second and went investigating absolutely and tried um, all kinds of stuff and then tried to like give up. And you you make that point somewhere in your book that you can't like try to give up. Like it has to be genuine. But of course I'm reading about all this stuff and I'm like, oh, if I just give up, I, you know, I'll get the baby, right? (laughs) Like. But you can't do it. You can't do it, quote unquote, the the do and the the quotes. It really has to be genuine. Absolutely. And so I reached that point and gave away all all my baby stuff, all my cloth diapers that were beloved to me, you know, and all of the, I think I I gave away the crib and everything. I gave away everything and then ended up in acupuncture and emailing some researcher who was across the world about the um, MTF HR gene. Mm-hmm. And that's how, how she came to be is sort of the combination of those two, but um, absolutely it was an in- initiation. It was, it was so difficult and mothers go through so much. And I didn't even go through what a lot of moms um, go through trying to get pregnant with even the first one. Right. And right. so wanting wanting more in some of the um the emotional flack they even receive for that like is it one enough you know that type of thing so yeah I really related to that reframe of that wow it is an initiation and it requires such incredible deep emotional growth truly truly and women we can be so hard on ourselves and women tend to berate themselves blame themselves even when it's 100 male factor infertility, women will still take charge. They'll still feel responsible. They do all of the research, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so often, assuming there is a male partner, the male partner kind of does what she tells him to do. Like she researches acupuncture mm-hmm. and then says, okay, I'm going to do this. And this is what we need you to do. Here's some supplements. This is what um, you need to do. For the most part, that's mm-hmm. what you'll see. And we are so hard on ourselves. And for the longest time, women will say to me, I feel like I'm broken. And we feel like we are because it's it's something that we should be able to do. You know, it's inherent. Mm-hmm. We should be able to have babies if we want to. And when we can, it does lead to feelings of really being broken. It hits self-esteem really hard. Mm-hmm. And 
And then there is that comparison, you know, like you just said, you know, I didn't go through what some people have gone through, but our own pain is our own pain. And I do talk about that. I have a chapter in the book about that. Yes. Yes, there's people starving, you know, children may be starving or something else is going on. And that seems worse. But our own pain is our own pain. It doesn't, it doesn't detract from someone else's, but we still have our own issues and that's our initiation and we come through to this world and we have our own purposes mm-hmm. and and paths and you know all of these things are connected so maybe if if we're concerned that people are starving um you know the pink starlights are concerned about this too as we evolve or as we learn as we investigate as we shift then we are able to shift that energy on a much grander scale and then this is going to help mm-hmm. with all of these things. And we can do this to each other. And this is going to be um, women who are, are out of balance. They'll get very competitive in the fertility area. And they'll say things yes. like, well, you know, that person has only been trying for eight years and I've been trying for nine. Or I had, you know, five miscarriages and they only had four. Or, you know, I'm 41 and she's 40 and a half. So she shouldn't be complaining. And you'll see a lot of that. And just in this anger, in this grief, in this fear, we can tend to be that way. And then, you know, the anger thing is on that masculine side. And we are not by any stretch encouraged to actually show our anger. And so if we're pushing Mm -hmm. that down, there's no space. We need a receptivity have a baby. And, you know, again, that's, that's going to fit with the feminine. So my clients are doers. Most of my clients are achievers, Mm -hmm. overachievers, you know, type A and self, you know, diagnosed or self-proclaimed and they know it and they know it. And so it is that intention and surrender that you were talking about. I don't consider surrender to be giving up, but it is letting go and you cannot make that. Mm -hmm. And in life, fake it till you make it works in a lot of cases, especially Mm -hmm. if somebody feels that they're, they're new at something and they don't feel good, um, good enough at it yet, but fake it till you make it, you will be there. But trying to let Mm -hmm. go of wanting to be a parent or wanting to have a baby or a second baby or a third baby, that's not something that you can fake. So what I help people to do is take that doer energy because we want to do it. And people Mm -hmm. who have that, especially that type of personality. You put your mind to something and you get it done. You want to go uh, get this degree. You get it. You want this career. You get it. You do it. You put your mind to it. You make it happen. And you can't force a baby. And I always say you can't left brain a baby. So left brain being more of your doer, right? (laughs) And right brain being your creative side. Well, this is creation, creativity. We are creating Mm -hmm. a baby. So balancing the things that we can do, you can go to acupuncture, you can do your hypnosis, you can decide on a clinic, you can, you know, any of that. And then Mm -hmm. receiving open and receptive babies coming in the right time in the right way. You know, we can't control that. You know, this whole issue is, you know, control comes into it. All the control that we think we have is an illusion. Okay. We really don't have control. Yes. We just think we do. Agreed. And and when agree yeah, when yes. it seems like we have control, it then reinforces this idea that we have control. 
which we don't necessarily. So I call it that hit by a bus tomorrow theory. If we're hit by a bus tomorrow, all of this is moot. Yes. And so it does help to be mindful and do the best we can to stay in the present. I mean, we need to plan certain things. Obviously, we live in a linear existence here on this planet. We have to have days and dates and times. And, you know, I wouldn't know to meet you this morning to be on this, you know, podcast if we didn't have mm-hmm. a date in a time, you know. But in the spiritual realm or in the ethereal realm, we don't have that. We don't have those um, time constructs and space constructs. So it's really interesting how that is where we want things to happen on our own schedule. But just because it isn't doesn't mean it's not happening, if that makes sense. To me, it makes complete sense. Yes, that sometimes when it's not happening, that's not fitting into our, our linear time goals there. Right. <laughs> like I went I went the baby now and then I went the second one two months two years later. And you know, that type of thing. It doesn't fit in there. Um because there there's the spiritual time that happens in its own time. I really love how you said too, it's like even when we think we're in control sometimes it's we're usually not. Like there is a, there is a spiritual sense going on of when children show up for someone. And I think it's hard to convince someone of that who really did like plan their kids and everything went according to their quote unquote plan. Right. Uh, but when you've experienced something quite different, it it really resonates. Like nah, everything does not line up exactly how you're going to do it. And you cannot put it into a spreadsheet. And <laughs> you know? right, right. no, we try though. Um, that- right. You can't project manage it. <laughs> like, no, exactly. And that book, Illusions by Richard Bach, which most people in the spiritual yeah. who've started a path like this have read, but definitely read that because it's so amazing. Um, but we do have this illusion. You know, we think that because we're alive right now, we will be alive five minutes from now. And likely we will be because we were alive five minutes ago and we were alive yesterday. But that doesn't yeah. mean we have any control over that. And I learned that when I was 20 years old. And my dad, who I was having a conversation with, suddenly died Uh, in the midst of this conversation, had a massive coronary. And I think about the life that I had before I was 20 and then the life that I had when that happened in this awareness. So you see sometimes people who have made it to 45 or 50 years old and their grandparents are still alive and they've really never been through something like that. And Mm -hmm. There's various things that happen to us in our lives to give us that awareness that, you know, we don't have control. You know, there was nothing I could do in that moment. I could not stop yes. it. There was nothing that I could do. And that's when you really learn that control thing. I trained a Catholic priest uh, a few years ago because I trained people to do um, the hypnofertility work. And he said when he used to counsel people, you know, they would say, Father, you know, I want to have a baby, but if God wants me to have a baby, I will, or I know that, but I want a baby and God's not giving me one. Or they'd say, I want, mm-hmm. you know, I want one that's going to be born in September because that works with such and such time frame. And then I want three of them and I want them two years apart, but yeah. you know, God's will, whatever God's willing. And he said to them, I mean, we'd say this over and over, that is not thy will be done. That is my will be done. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like really, it's really eye-opening, right? It's like, oh my gosh, that that's very true. And it's nice when those things work out the way we want, but they don't always. 
but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're not happening, that the babies aren't coming. Once they're here, I always say hindsight is twenty twenty, and with hypnosis, we do have the benefit of hindsight, so we can be forward in time, in the present, in the mind, and be able to experience this. But anyone that I've worked with on the other side has said, and I asked them, and they have said, yes, this is the right time. This is better. I'm glad this didn't happen at such and such a time. And, you know, I had a client who, for example, had an IVF cycle fail, but within a few days, her father died. She had to travel, you know, halfway across the world. This would not be a state to be in when you've just had an embryo transfer. Yes. To fly, you know, a 20, 25 hour flight and then have to turn around and come back in a few days. And, you know, the amount of stress and the amount um, that was involved in that. So, no, we don't want to see the embryo transfer fail, but there's a reason sometimes. And how much better is that than to have to, the effect that could could occur from something like that. And so I will see that and I will tell clients, you know, we'll meet when you have that baby and you'll show me that baby. And when you do, you're going to get it. You get it at that point. And that's part of the surrender as well. But like I say, we can't fake it. But even getting mad, getting Mm -hmm. mad at the universe, getting mad at God saying the heck with it, with Mm -hmm. stronger language likely, um, and just being fed up or giving things away like you did or, you know, just going off and having some wine or or doing something else, you can't fake it. You can't go, yeah, okay, universe, right. I don't care, but I do care. But I don't yeah. care, universe, because the universe knows. Um, yeah, know. yes. But well, getting fed up is okay. What do you tell women who are feeling punished by um, by God? That's a um, a good question, and it's it's an area that I go into is the spiritual aspect, and we tend to go to being punished. Mm-hmm. You know, or you hear people, oh, I must have horrible karma, or I'm being punished, or God hates me, or universe hates me, or whatever you know the terminology that they're comfortable with, mm-hmm. and that's simply not so. Everyone is going through things in the world. Everyone goes through things in their lives and we tend to drop to that. We must be being punished. And that's part of the dynamic that the pink starlights are trying to get rid of, Mm -hmm. to crash that, especially women. We take responsibility. We blame ourselves. We feel this and, and we're set up that way. This is, you know, organized religion for years and years, for centuries, for millennia setting us up to be punished. Yeah. And it's control. Yes. It's like, how do you control the masses? Well, let's set them up to be terrified. <laughs> yes. And they're going to be punished. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. that's an archetype too. That's mm-hmm. in there. True. So part of that is confidence and it hits people's confidence when you feel things aren't going your way or when you're really hurt, when there's a lot of emotion involved and, and, these things trigger other things like mm-hmm. fear and anger again and and feeling like you're in a fishbowl because mm-hmm. a lot of of people that I talk to they you know they go out with friends but they don't want to go because they're not going to they're not drinking because they're going through an IVF cycle or they're trying to conceive naturally and so they they yeah. aren't going to have any alcohol and they are sure that everyone's going to know it's because they're trying to get pregnant Mm-hmm. Well, if I don't have wine, everyone's going to know and everybody's going to ask and I don't want everyone to know. That's where 
there an, an obsession almost happens or such a narrow focus because I didn't drink at all for years. I just didn't. And people used to be like, well, why don't you have a glass of wine? No, thanks. Well, yeah. you should have wine. I don't like wine. I don't want wine. Whatever the case was, it had nothing to do with trying to conceive. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that it did. I didn't think that they thought that, right? Mm-hmm. And you might be doing a cleanse. You might decide you need to lose a few pounds. Alcohol is terrible for weight. <laughs> yeah. And so can say, hey, you know, I'm doing a cleanse or I had a, a rough light, night last night. I don't feel like it or I'm driving or mm-hmm. whatever the case is. And it doesn't mean that people are instantaneously thinking that. So there's this focus and it's it's a tough issue because there's so much insensitivity around it. And so many people don't care. And I talk about this quite a bit. If someone gets a cancer diagnosis, stage four cancer or terminal diagnosis of some sort or whatever, you know, or really serious illness, people tend to be supportive of that. Oh, I'm so sorry. What can I do? Can I help you? Mm -hmm. Someone gets an infertility diagnosis and people are saying things like, well, I guess God doesn't want you to have children or, you know, there's too many children in the world or there's very dismissive of it. And ideally you're not going to say to someone diagnosed with cancer, oh, well, I guess God doesn't want you to live and just (laughs) kind of dismiss that, right? right? Yes. right. (laughs) And the fertility issue is at that catastrophic level. Um, It is. is, Regardless of whether people are sympathetic to it, and usually what happens is people aren't familiar with it. And so they don't think much of it. You know, I had a client that came in and she was, you know, close to 50 mm-hmm. and she hadn't been married. She, uh, and ended up meeting a partner late in life. And so she went in, they decided they want to have children. The doctor said, well, donor eggs is going to be your way to go. She said, okay, yep, that makes sense. I'm 48. I'm going to get a donor. That's the way I'll have my babies. That's that. And it failed. She got a donor and everything came together and then the transfer failed. And then she was absolutely devastated. And then she said to me when she came in, when I first met her, she said, I feel so bad because for years and years I dismissed anybody who was going through infertility. I thought they were overreacting. I thought it was no big deal. And now I get it. Now I really get it. And so sometimes people are being insensitive mainly because they don't really understand it. Yeah, yeah. And even when I got into this work, I had people say to me, well, what are you doing that for? There's already too many people on the planet. And it's like, well, we need new people. Okay. We need new <laughs> people ones. People are not stopping. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And and I'm working with people who actually want their children that, you yes. know, are going to love them, are going to provide for them, going to make sure that they get educations if they want them and, you know, are going to be open-minded or not going to be cruel and abusive, you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. That, that's part of that pink starlight thing too. So that, so they're bringing in a lot of healing energy and we have to go through a lot in order to receive them. Okay. Yes, yeah. And then you mentioned something that I wanted to speak to, which is of your 17-year-old being a pink starlight. Mm-hmm. So this is another direction they're going. So I'm sure they plotted that, um, you know, plant a little seed right in your head to mention that. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are pink starlights out there, but they didn't feel any need to be known as pink starlights. Mm-hmm. And so now part of what they have me doing too is speaking to people in that sense that, hey, I think I have a pink starlight 
or, you know, and it may be your child, it may be your grandchild, it may be that you're a teacher and you just see some of these mm-hmm. and they're very apparent, you know, they're very obvious in, they're so intelligent and mm-hmm. so intuitive and so knowledgeable. Sometimes they're a little, a little frustrated because they have these little bodies and they were just you know, prior to that flying all around and seeing everything. And, but they do bring a lot through and they do see a lot. And my little grandson is a pink starlight and mm-hmm. he's six months old and Aww. we connected before, before he was Ooh. born. My daughter-in-law miscarried. And it was interesting because I had, I was connected with him and I, I knew I had a feeling that it was, that that was what was going to happen. It just seemed like things weren't tracking, but mm-hmm. you know, even when you have a sense of that you don't want to go there you know oh, no totally like hey you're gonna miscarry like no it's not right, never right. Do and you that, could be never. wrong I mean you could, that's my absolutely. grandchild so I, yes. I could have some kind of you know fear about it or whatever that was but yeah when that happened I knew that he was coming back and I knew that he mm-hmm. was a boy when that first pregnancy happened one of the things was I kept I knew it was a boy but I kept getting this switch boy girl boy girl and they kept switching 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 mm-hmm. it was driving me crazy and I know that I have two grandchildren there from that mm. from that son. I knew for other reasons that things weren't weren't quite right, but I found that interesting just from observing that. And so when they got pregnant again, you know, I knew it was my grandson. And then people were back to it being a girl. It was really funny because I told them it's a boy. And I also mm-hmm. they came to my house. Like it was my birthday, but my birthday's in December and they had COVID and everyone was sick. And so they came, we were doing my birthday in February. Oh, geez. And I'm standing there talking to them. And all of a sudden I go, oh my gosh. I said, is so-and-so pregnant that I know that my daughter-in-law knows? And she kind of looks at me and her jaw sort of drops. And then she says, no. And then all of a sudden I follow this with, you're pregnant. Oh. And then her her chin drops again. Then my son takes my birthday card and kind of tosses it to me. He says, happy birthday, mom. And I open it up. There's from, you know, from my son, my daughter-in-law, their dog, and your little Libra. Oh, my grandson. God. I'm getting chills. Oh, and, my uh, gosh. It, it was so funny. So then they say to me, well, this person that I mentioned was pregnant. Yes. Oh. And, but miscarried at five weeks. But how on earth did I know that? Like, it just came yeah. to me. Um, and my son loves to be the skeptic, even though he was raised with all of this. And he was initiated, <laughs> I initiated him into Reiki when he was five. And I had him meditating mm-hmm. for three. And this is my 33-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so it was so funny. I told them it was a boy. So my other my other son, who is the spear baby one, mm-hmm. who's in my second book, and he's the one that... um that came through as a spirit baby and sort of took control of my life, even though I wasn't supposed to have this second one, he, sh- he shows up mm-hmm. and then all of that came together. But so he's usually really good at tuning in to spirit babies. When he used to live at home, you know, when he was 15, 16 years old. And if he ever walked into the room where I had just spoken to a client, he would say something. He'd be like, um, oh, that's a boy or, oh, that's wow. twins or, oh, that's a person with red hair or things like that. Wow. that he would do. Yeah. Cool. So he, um, so he thought he was going with girl and he was adamant and, and my older son was like, well, we'll see, we'll see, you know, but 
Is there a betting pool going? <laughs> right. So so they do the blood test. But I already know that he's a boy. So they do this blood test. And then my grandson comes to me and he says, they did the blood work, but I'm a boy. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So I, I texted them because I want this in writing. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, he, he, so my, my son has to call me. He calls me um, when they get the, and he's like, okay, mom you're right. It's a boy. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes. I know. And then both of my sons had to admit mom was right. And you know how that goes, right? <laughs> <I do. laughs> yeah. uh, mom's never right. What is mom? And I'm like, it's kind of what I do guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's kind of, it's kind of what I do. So, um, and it all just, and I knew this is really funny with my grandson. I knew that he was going to be born mm-hmm. with uh moon in Pisces at the 29th degree. Now, I don't know that much about astrology, but mm-hmm. I do have a friend who's a, a great astrologer. And I get, while we were waiting for this baby to be born, I could hear her in my head. Oh my gosh, she has his moon in Pisces at the 29th degree because it's very powerful. I do know that much. Mm-hmm. And it does also match to, I have um, Chiron in my chart in Pisces. And I don't know, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about Chiron, but it was at 29 degrees. But anyway, I kept hearing this. And so when I did talk to her, I told her and she's like, she said, at first, I didn't know what you mean, but then I looked at what you meant, but I looked at your at your chart and his chart. And, oh my gosh, you're absolutely Ooh, right. Very cool. And so things cool. things like that um, yeah. happen, right? Yeah. Well, the other thought that kept occurring to me when I was reading this book was the rise in autism. Right. You know, my, my 17-year-old is, she's autistic level one. And which we call the the artist formerly known as Asperger's. But what kept occurring to me as I read the book is like these pink starlight starlights, they're very intuitive. You say very intelligent, but they also are here to create harmony and need harmony in my experience of autism and everything I know about it. I'm, I'm doing adult autism evaluations now. It's like harmony is so important for regulation. So it's mm-hmm. not just like, oh, harmony is elective is nice. It's like, no, harmony is a must so that you stay self-regulated so that the meltdowns don't happen so that, you know, this. And so I, I just kept thinking like, is this part of these pink starlights coming to teach us this about the necessity of, yeah, working things out whenever possible, being in a harmonious environment. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, that that is really huge. You know, sometimes people, when they're struggling with fertility, they can end up with subconscious blocks. And that may be a fear mm-hmm. of kids being born with, you know, various issues. And that that's not what that's about as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. But absolutely harmony as above, so below balance of both. I can talk about balance a lot, balance of intention and surrender, balance of mind, body, spirit, balance of masculine and feminine. And bringing that through creates that harmony. Yeah, And we can be more in harmony, but we don't even know this. I mean, we're never taught, oh yes, we're, you know, internally masculine and feminine, that we have both of these energies. It has nothing to do with gender, has nothing to do with sexual preference, has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. We are all, we all have that internal masculine and feminine. So to have that awareness and definitely to have that harmony, which people are on various spectrums of various 
issues yes. things that we didn't know about like adult ADD. Yes. Um, you know, all, all of these types of things that we didn't know about and therefore people weren't helped and sometimes excessively medicated and sometimes excessively punished, you know, back when yes. I was a kid, they just punished them all. Yeah. Evan's um neurologist, he's ADD himself and he's like in his I'd say early 50s, late 40s or something. He tells her this story one time. He's like, when I couldn't focus, my parents would just hit me. <laughs> That's it, you know. And he he says it very funny. He's not like, you know, he's like, they just whack you and say, pay attention. That's it. You know? Oh no, it's it's true. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. He's yeah. Like, we have other options now. <laughs> exactly. And so see the indigos, he's probably an indigo, but they're coming through to stop this, you know. And yeah. and I talked about that in the book too, about the the, the whole hitting children, beating children. Mm -hmm. um, and then we go to this area of letting children run the show, which is not healthy. See, you had all this helicopter parent stuff going on. Yeah, completely like not balanced. Right, right. And going, literally going on job interviews with kids. Oh my God. I've not oh, heard this that is one. true. <laughs> I mean, even adult kids. <laughs> I, I mean, I grew up in that generation. I, my 17-year-old still at home, my 21-year-old at college about to graduate. I just have such compassion for mothers and myself in trying to find that balance mm -hmm. of where do you advocate for a child and where do you help them right. and where do you back off right. and say, all right, that's, that's for you to do. That's for you to learn. Like, you know, you've right. got to figure out how to advocate for yourself, that type of thing. Even this morning in the car, Evan and I, I was driving her to school and we were talking about a teacher that my oldest daughter had had. I ended up in some legal problems. She wouldn't let me email the school about him. Like he's doing some really offensive things, nothing that was mm. dangerous to her. But I was like, no teacher should be saying things like this. And she's like, no, you cannot email. Right. You know, and she wouldn't let me. <laughs> so it's like, that's mm. an example of like, huh, like, what is that? Is that advocating? Is that helicoptering? You know, all of that. Like, just where do you find that line? I think we all intuitively know that's out of balance. And we understand the instinct, the mother instinct to want to protect right. and help. Yeah. Exactly. It is that natural mothering instinct. And it is balanced feminine there because it, it's not balanced when you go go there and self-arrest the teacher or something like that. Yeah. And but one of the big things too is what started happening in the pendulum swings, right? So kids were being punished and um abused and spare the rod, spoil the child, and anybody could hit you. You went into the yeah. the convenience store, you did something, then the, the guy behind the counter could hit you, and the teachers were hitting you, and the principals are hitting you, and other people's parents are hitting you. Like that was a thing for a yes. very long time. But then it swung where the kids are being in charge, and you know, kids, their brains are not developed to be mm -mm. in charge. You can't give them too many choices. You know, they they do need a bedtime, they do need structure um, and discipline yes. in the sense of really of structure. Like we need to have discipline. I needed to be here on time for this interview. That's discipline. That, yes. You know, it's not punishment. It's it's um it's structure and it is like, okay, you can't just not be there. Right. You it's know, agreement. you can't just yes. sort of do whatever you want, whenever you want. Mm -hmm. I love how you brought up bringing up baby, the French book. Right. Yeah. So you talk about that as an example in your book. And I had read that book 
far after my kids were little. I wish I had had that book <laughs> my kids were little when it could be a little <laughs> more too. balanced. But um, I think that's a great example of a mothering that's in balance is the, I think the author's point in that book in terms of, all right, uh, this French perspective of, yeah, children do need a bedtime and this, and, you know, you do not need to be available to them, available to them 24 seven. And, you know, and snack is structured. It is not eating and food all the time. I related to so many examples in that book of, um, unstructured, yeah. unbalanced. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, on the other side. And then what that creates later. I think we're all entering mothering, pregnancy, birth with our best intentions in general. Oh, I sure. like to think that people are, right? Accepting oh, yeah. the shadow, the shadow side mothers, but we are entering into that. And then as we go through it, so many things change our perspectives and what we plan to do and then what we end up doing. How do we navigate that? I mean, my work is more um, after pregnancy. So after mm-hmm. after birth, guiding mothers, certainly there was years I was a postpartum depression, anxiety specialist, that type of thing versus your work is clearly more before pregnancy, right? Helping that pregnancy. But it's such a hard, hard thing to navigate motherhood these days. I think we all deserve the most compassion for it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm the one person that tells people it's okay, or at least in my client's world where they're like, people are telling me I'm going to have to do this with a baby and I'm going to have to do that. And I, and I can't do it. And I'm worried about, and it's like, nope, you don't. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Tune in. I do work with women mostly. A lot of it is pre-pregnancy for sure. And, and, uh, but I do go all the way through postpartum in -hmm. terms of it doesn't just end with a positive pregnancy test. Oh yeah. Yeah. I imagine they're, they're super attached to you as well. Maybe that's just me. I'm attached to you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can't imagine you go through work in growth and exploration and hypnosis to be mm-hmm. pregnant, you don't immediately drop your therapist. Right? Well, no, because, you know, also if people have had miscarriages, they especially need to get past that mark, whether it was yes. seven weeks, 10 weeks, 20 weeks, whatnot. Yes. And then there's a lot of nervousness around being pregnant. Plus, if somebody's been going through fertility treatment, that is a full-time job and there's appointments and there's medications and there's this and there's that and the other. And then all of a sudden they graduate from the fertility clinic and now there's nothing to do. Just wait. And that's really stressful too, because all of a sudden it's like, what could I be doing? What should I be doing? And, you know, there's, there's lots of concerns and, you know, trying to get past milestones that is just so important. Yeah. So yeah, there's just so much that goes on there and and the pink starlights are, I don't even know how to say this, like they're contributing to helping the healing of all of this. But ultimately, the more we heal and the more we explore and the more we listen to podcasts like this and the more we understand things, the better for the entire world. And we, again, with the pendulum swinging, we don't need a matriarchy because that'll end up out of balance. <laughs> Okay. We we need a balance. We, we need that divine feminine, sacred masculine. And that's the version we want. We don't, we don't want the negative versions, you know, with early in my life, I didn't even like women because I was exposed to the worst of them. Mm. You know, that really my mother screaming constantly, like just all the time, just losing, just losing it. And 
all her family, you know, the aunts and whatnot. And then other, you know, I think when you when you're exposed to that, you'd also draw that to you. And so I would see that and I was like, oh my gosh. Of course, your middle school girls are just um a nightmare <laughs> in, yeah. in yes. so many cases. To me, it was like, okay, the boys, they would get in a fight and then it'd be over with. And, you know, whatever the case was, it didn't go on and on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And so it was part of my journey to see that balance and to not turn into that and then to help others. So I even say that part of my work is to model that balance of masculine and feminine, that we need Mm -hmm. both. And we need to run businesses that way. People get on the corporate ladder or they, they, you know, get their own business and then they run it with the masculine out of balance. So working 24 seven, not, you know, taking emails at any minute, any hour, you're in the middle of a conversation, ding, oh, let me look. And then off we go, right? That's going to be out of balance. And we need to have that self-care part. Mm-hmm. And you see it in the fertility clinics where it's like a revolving door. There's so many patients and nobody ever says, you know, no, we can't take somebody. Yeah. And in my practice, I will only take a certain number of people. I absolutely want to know who they are when, absolutely, yes. you know, when I look in my schedule or when I, when I meet with them, um, I want to know who they are and I want to be present for them. And that's, if we could navigate that world, the world that way, that would be, you know, that's just going to be so healing and to see that on a grander scale. Absolutely. It is. Well, I think that's a wonderful place to end our interview. Since yes. we are out of time. Thank you so right. much for your wisdom and your presence and being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And it's yeah. just, it's just so awesome to get to talk about these things and the pink starlights also um, thank you and appreciate yeah. you. Before we go, where can people find you? Easiest to find me is my website, hypnofertility.com. If you're interested specifically in the pink starlights, they of course have their own domain name, which points to their own page, Love which it. is pinkstarlights.com. Uh-huh, great. And can people buy the book on that website? There is a link to um, a free ebook copy of The Three Keys to Conception on the homepage. And then I think there's links to Amazon, which is the easiest. It's it's faster to buy things from Amazon these days and you get your, you know, Amazon Prime and you have it practically mm-hmm. before you press send. That's true. That's true. Well, thank you again so much. And I hope that whoever... Um, needs to get connected with Lindsay Will. Thank you so much, dude. I really appreciate it. truly enjoying today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, 
please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace. This podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional.